Would you open a Bible with me to the book of Philippians chapter 1, where we will be reading together in just a few moments. I would love it if you would have a Bible open or on and turned back there to the letter of Paul to the Philippians. If you can find that in your Bible, very close to the end of your Bibles, that will be where we will be in God's Word throughout our time together this morning. Thank you so much for being here. We have a number of guests with us. Welcome. We're glad that you're here and invite you to open up God's Word. Follow along with us. We'll have a variety of things projected on the screen behind me. We want to give our attention on this, the Lord's Day, to the Lord behind this book, the greatest book of all. And the Lord that we have been focused on throughout the morning in a variety of ways. I appreciate the thought that Wyatt put into our songs for this morning. Getting us to think about God's work in our lives. And I'd like to talk with you a little bit about that this morning. I appreciate Roger introducing our theme for the year. In 2023, if the Lord wills, we will return over and over and over again in a variety of ways to this great thought, this great challenge of finishing what was started. And there are many passages of Scripture that we can go to that we draw inspiration from for that idea. We see where that idea came from in both the Old And the New Testaments, we see how it is given voice in the lives of ordinary men and women who walked with the Lord and and wanted to be used by the Lord, shaped by the Lord, the way even that we have sung together this morning. What I would like to do is start with you in Philippians chapter 1 and give you two passages of Scripture throughout the morning that I would love for you to remember throughout this year. If we are going to finish what was started, if I am going to finish, if you are going to finish what was started, I believe with all of my heart, a couple of statements from the Apostle Paul in this ancient letter that he wrote will be priceless, unmatchable, God-given fuel to help us finish what was started. And I, I really want you to listen carefully as we read this letter. There was a real man who wrote this real letter to real people in the city of Philippi about 2,000 years ago. And as we read his writings, there were plenty of things that he did not know. He himself will tell us that. I don't know the next time I will be able to be in Jerusalem. I don't know if I will be able to pass back through this area, wherever it was that that he happened to be. I, I don't know if I will be able to spend any more face-to-face 
time with you. I would like to carry the gospel all the way to Rome, but I don't know how or when. I would like to carry the gospel past Rome all the way to Spain, but I don't know if I will be given that opportunity. I, I believe we, we hear him saying, and Roger read some of those verses for us last Sunday, I believe that my time on this earth is drawing to a close. And I don't know what the circumstances will be. I don't know when I will be ushered into the Lord's presence. I believe that there is a crown of life laid up for me and, and for all who have loved our Lord's appearing. But I don't know exactly when that will be. This real life man knew what it was, just like you, just like me, not to know certain things. But I'd really encourage you this morning to listen carefully as he tells us in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6 about something he knows. Not purely in a hopeful sense, a wish upon a star sword of sins. He is sure. Even the Apostle Paul didn't always know what was going to happen or when or why or how. He, he, he didn't know the future. He didn't know what would happen the next day. Just like you, just like me. But let's listen carefully. As he writes to us in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6, of course, originally he's writing to Christians in the ancient Roman colony of Philippi. But this is a message for all of us today. As he writes, chapter 1, verse 6, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Plenty of things that I don't know, but I am sure of this, that He, God, God began a good work in you. How amazing is that? These were Ordinary people living in a Roman colony. They weren't predominantly Jews, descendants of Abraham. They weren't diligent students of the Old Testament scriptures as we describe them. They had everyday lives. They knew what it was to get up on days that they really didn't feel like getting up and, and going to work when they really didn't feel like going to work. They knew what it was to work hard in ways, let's be honest, that many of us can only imagine. They couldn't go down to a grocery store and buy refrigerated goods and quickly transport those over a long distance and throw them in a refrigerator or a freezer and preserve them for long periods of time and take them out whenever they wanted and, and pop them in a microwave. These were 
real life people who knew real life work and struggles and anxieties and fears and uncertainties, but they had become disciples of Jesus Christ. The good news had come to Philippi. We can read all about that, how it started in the book of Acts. And now, as the Apostle Paul writes to these people, he says, I'm sure that the God who began a good work, not all the way back in the Garden of Eden, certainly that was a part of it, not all the way back at Mount Sinai, that that was certainly a part of it, Not just in the city of Jerusalem, a long ways away from Philippi, where the Lord and Savior Jesus the Christ died and was buried on a Friday and came out of the grave on a a, a Sunday. That was all a part of that. But Paul is not talking in abstract here. he's, He's not talking about something way out there that doesn't really have to do with everyday life. God began a good work in you, Philippians. And I am sure that that same God will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. In fact, you might have to turn a page, look at chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, verse 13, where the same God is highlighted. In fact, they're, they're kind of like bookends in the first half of this great letter. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 13, Paul again draws their attention, our attention to it is God. Let's come face to face this morning with. He does not say it is God who did a whole lot of things a long time ago that you ought to learn about, kind of like history students, and, and be able to answer some basic questions about. No, it is God who works, present tense, present ongoing sense. It is God who works in you. God is at work. God is at work this morning. God is at work in you and in me. How? Let's let Paul be our guide. He highlights two very personal ways. It is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. If you're a student at all of religious history, you know that these two things have often been at odds in the human imagination. How is it that God is at work in my will and 
in my work. There are plenty of people who view today as the Lord's Day, and so I'm going to come and I'm going to give God what He's asked me to give. But then tomorrow I'm going to go to work, and those two things just seem to be like different worlds, different dominions, all together. What, what we're doing now is somehow very, very different than what many of us will do tomorrow at work or at school. And so how is it that God is at work in my work? And do I really need to do anything at all? Because if He is God, I'm, I'm certainly unworthy And if he knows everything, he knows that. And so, do I just need to believe in him? But if there's more than simply believing in him, am I somehow earning whatever it is that that comes my way as a result? That there have been, (laughs) who knows how many pages and gallons of ink and and thoughts given to how does this work what i would love to do with you this morning is is not listen to any human being let's not read any human commentary let's just say right here in this letter this ancient god-breathed document and see if we can't figure out how god is at work both to will, my will, your will, and to work my life and your life for His good pleasure. If you had to turn a page, you might go back to page 1, Philippians chapter 1 and verse 1 and 2. Verse 1 introduces us to who is writing Paul and Timothy. They are servants of Jesus Christ. They are writing to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers and deacons. And I want you to notice how he starts. Grace. Grace to you. And peace. Peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And already right there, we get an inkling as to how God works on our will. How He works on your will and how He works on my will. In a world that is starving for grace. In a a world that is famished for peace. In environments that you might find yourself in tomorrow morning where grace is in short supply and peace is not the attitude that people bring to the table. Listen, this is from God. This is what God wants to extend to you. He comes with news of grace. And so let's set aside any sense of worthiness. I'm not worthy. You're 
you're not worthy. This is not a letter to people who have been well-behaved, completely submissive, always reverent, forever yielding servants of the living God. This is to sinners. People who had already messed it up. Like every human being that has ever lived. People that don't deserve to be a part of God's kingdom. Don't deserve to be a a part of his family. Don't deserve to have a seat at the feast of the living God. God does not begin with a scolding. He does not begin with a cosmic slap of the hand. He begins with a message of grace. Grace to you. That's the news that I bring. The the possibility of peace from God. Our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Already He's working on our wills. But we don't have to read very long at all before it becomes very clear. This is about more than simply hearing news. The news had come to Philippi. And there were ordinary men and women who had responded to that news. There was an ordinary woman that had simply gone to the river one day to pray and she heard news of grace and peace. Listen, there, there was a jailer who had been charged with watching over the man who wrote this letter and his his traveling companion and for a moment, maybe the darkest moment of his life, he felt like It was all a waste. I I can't be a part of this. He was this close to taking his own life. And this man who wrote this letter said, No, 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 no. I come with a message of grace and peace. And that is more than just news. It is a, a calling. It's calling you into participation in this news. Look at verse 7. It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart for you are all partakers with me of grace. Or in verse 5, your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. There is life-changing news of grace And peace. And we're being called to partake in that. Share in that. Participate in that. Partner in that. Even as Danny reminded us this morning that even in the giving of our financial resources, we play a small role. We have a small partnership in the spreading of this news. And the more we participate in that, the more our will is being worked on. Could I highlight one we've already read over, maybe easily overlooked? In chapter 1 and verse 1, he mentioned overseers. Elders. Shepherds. 
that was a part of God's plan from the very beginning. We read about this man and others like him going all over the known world, sharing the good news of grace and peace, showing people how to be partakers in that, and then circling back by and working to appoint elders in every city. Why? Because my will, your will, is a work in progress. And we know that God blesses us with parents, for instance, who in the the, the, the best possible case would take an awareness of God and use God's word and his wisdom and shape our wills as we are children and we never outgrow the need to have someone looking out for us, calling us to account, holding us to a standard. Listen, God's word has a, a term for people who have been tasked with that responsibility. It describes the work. Sometimes we are idle. Sometimes we are unfocused. At times we are weak. At times we are drifting. At times we, we just really want to be selfish and have the fruit of selfishness flow out of our lives and all over the New Testament, we have been given a description of people who will help me see things that I can't always see for myself. Overseers. And so, brothers and sisters, within the, the context of this church family, let me just ask you. Do the men that, that, that have been asked with watching over this flock, watching over my soul, have the right to tell me, listen, we're not sure you're, you're thinking like Jesus in this scenario. We're not sure by your conduct you are in step with the gospel of grace and peace. Anybody in my life have the The right to get me thinking along those lines. You see, from the pages of the New Testament, this is how even our wills are worked on with the goal that something would abound in our lives. And, and what Paul highlights in verse 9 is, is love. It is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. So much of this letter is, is all about that. If, if time allowed, we could spend significant time in Philippians chapter 4 where he highlights whatever is true and honorable and just and pure and lovely, commendable. If there's any excellence, anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you've learned and received and heard and seen in me. Practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. You see, God is at work. And he wants to work on my will. He wants to work on your will. 
through this news of grace and peace, through calling into partnership that is something so much bigger than myself, teaching me to, to put the interests of others ahead of myself, through the work of, of godly men who will lead us through these difficult circumstances in life, that, that, that our love might abound and our, our knowledge and discernment might grow. Do you know the Bible word that really describes a person who's not just reading about this, thinking about this, but living like that? God calls them, God calls us saints. To all the saints in Christ Jesus. Or one way of thinking about it is in chapter 1 verse 27. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. Now remember, we, we set aside altogether any sense of worthiness from the very beginning. But you see, God is at work in my life, in your life, in my will, in your will to help us grow, to have lives worthy of the gospel. A life filled with the fruit of Righteousness. Look at verse 11, chapter 1. Filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. You see, God is at work. And we already heard who the hero of this story is, what the ultimate aim of this story it is. It is for God's good pleasure. It is to the glory and the praise of God. And as the letter unfolds, he gets more and more and more practical. What's it going to look like when God is at work among us? Start reading with me in chapter 1, verse 27. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. And not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. They know that you're living different. They know that you are distinct. In fact, that's what it means to be a, a saint. And they know if what you are saying and the way you are living is really true, that's bad news for them. Don't stop being Different is the call. Verse 29, it has been granted to you for the sake of Christ. You should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. Engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had and now hear that I still have. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. You see, God is at work. That may not come naturally to me. I like to get my way. I think my way is 
pretty good. In fact, I'm pretty sure my way is pretty much always the best way. But God's at work on that pride. God's at work on that self-centeredness. It brings us back to our wills in chapter 2 and verse 3. Do nothing. You see, that's a call to the work. But before we get to the work, we've got to talk about the will. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. You know what? What door opens when God keeps working and working and working on that sort of a will? Well, now I'm... Now I'm ready to do the work of, verse 4, let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Well, that's, that, that's not me. I've, I've never been really that interested in being that aware of what's going on in other people's lives. But you see, it's not about you anymore. You've died if you're a Christian and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And God is at work in you. Even this morning, look at verse 5. This, this power of drawing our attention over and over and over again to the mindset of Christ. Verse 5, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Why has God told us to observe this memorial that we've participated in even this morning to draw our attention to the mindset of Christ. Why does God want us to publicly read the scriptures to draw our attention to the mindset of Christ? Why does he want us to sing? Not just listen to somebody play, but to sing, to actively participate, to draw our eyes, our focus to the mindset of Christ. And the more that we do that, what's the goal? Less grumbling. Less disputing. Philippians chapter 2 verse 14. Do all things without grumbling and disputing. Listen, there are a lot of things that I don't know about this week, but I'm pretty sure I know there are going to be things you could grumble about this week, and I could grumble about this week. If what we have learned this morning is true, let me just ask you, could it be that God puts difficult circumstances, difficult people, 
in my path, in your path, this week to work on your heart and to work on my will. You see, the goal is bigger than winning an argument. The, the, the goal is bigger than owning that foolish person. The goal is about more than exalting me and crumbling them. God's at work in you, both to will and to work for His good pleasure. So that, verse 15, you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life. Finally, chapter 3, verses 12 through 15. How much comfort ought we to take? As Paul has diagrammed this and so much more that we could highlight, and he says, you know what? <clears throat> I haven't attained all of this yet. I, I haven't crossed the finish line. Chapter 3, verse 12, not that I've already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on. I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers and sisters, I, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus let those of us who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will also reveal it to you. The God who is at work. The God who is at work in you both to will and to work for His good pleasure so that you can finish what was started. I hope that as this year goes along, this picture will come to mean more and more to us. Because if you look, it's probably a little hard on the, the screen, but if you pay attention to your theme booklets, didn't get one of those, they're freely available in the foyer. And, and, and you really pay attention to what's going on in that picture. On the left side, boy, that's a mess. That man is in pieces. He's broken, scattered, unfocused. He's a lot like the reality that we read all about in Romans chapter 3, 23, that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But the closer he gets to the finish line, the more he comes together, the more light there is. Why? Because the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ wants to restore and confirm and strengthen and establish you.
So maybe even what we've talked about this morning has stopped you in your tracks. And you see the need, you're just not sure where to start. There were plenty of people 2,000 years ago who were in that boat. And and when they heard this news, they were cut to the heart. and, And they said to the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And they were told to repent. Stop running away from God. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And and to make sure that people of all ages understood in verse 39, it is emphasized, the promise is for you and it's for your children and for all who are far off. Everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And, And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves. What did he mean by that? Well, that's where we started. I've got to work out my own salvation with fear and trembling. Nobody can believe for me. Nobody can repent for you. Nobody can want the finish line for any of us. But if we will do what God is calling us to do, if we will receive His words and from hearts of eager faith be baptized, these people were added to the Lord's church. That's exactly where Paul points us in our key verse for the day. My beloved, as you've always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. It's God who works in you. Both to will and to work for his good pleasure. And there's there's plenty of things we don't know. But we can be sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. He's coming again. How's your heart? How's your life? How's your your soul? We're going to stand and sing a, a simple prayer. Make me, make me a servant. And if we can help you this morning in responding to the Lord's invitation, His work in your life, would you let us know how we can help by coming to the front while we stand and sing together?